So much has changed in our lives this year, hasn't it? Our working lives have been disrupted. Our school lessons have gone online. Shopping now involves sanitising hands and trolleys and even the food that we get, we bring back home with us. Handshakes and hugs became elbow bumps and the Wuhan foot shake. And then even that wasn't allowed because of the two metre rule. And then of course church has become screen time, which some even do in their pyjamas. But we won't mention any names about those who do that. This pandemic has changed so many aspects of our lives. But some things haven't changed. We are still called to be the body of Christ. We are still called to live as God's God's people. We're still called to celebrate his grace. And we're still called to reach out to a world that is lost. And in his last the last section of Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed that we'd fulfill this calling by being united in him. So we're going to read from John chapter 17 and verse 20 to 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, Just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me, you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. It's always humbling and encouraging to hear that someone is praying for you. It shows that they love you, that they value you, that they care about you. But how much more amazing is it to know that on the night before Jesus went to the cross, he was praying for you and for me. Verse 20, I pray also for those who will believe in me Through their message. Jesus knew that the following day he was going to suffer more intensely than anyone else in all of the world's history. On the cross, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In those three hours of darkness, Jesus became sin for us. And then all of God's holy hatred and righteous anger against our sin was poured out on him. Jesus suffered our punishment so that we could be forgiven. He died our death sentence so that we could live. He experienced hell for us so that we could have our home 
in heaven. And yet despite all of this weighing so heavily upon Jesus, he prayed that night for us. He looked down through history and he prayed for all of us who would trust in him for salvation. He poured out his heart to his Father for you and for me. And Jesus is still praying for us. This is what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 verse 34. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Then the writer of Hebrews, he says that Jesus, as our great high priest, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. And John who wrote about Jesus being our advocate, says that if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence. Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. What an amazing encouragement for us this morning. When we feel condemned by our failures, or when we feel that we just can't keep going, or we feel that we're not good enough, or we're struggling to pray, we can remember that we're not on our own in this battle. Our Saviour and our Lord is in heaven and his heart is filled with love for us. And he is interceding for us. Today, Jesus is praying for us. So Jesus prayed for us. And he is still praying for us. But what did Jesus pray for that night? What was his heart's desire for everybody who would put their faith in him? Well, it was, verse 21, that all of them may be one. Now we saw this a a little bit last week as Jesus prayed for his disciples. He was deeply concerned that all of his followers would be united with each other. And this is a supernatural unity, one that reflects the unity of Jesus and his Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. And this is a unity that has already been created by Jesus. This was his plan and his purpose in going to the cross. As the Good Shepherd, he laid down his life for us to bring us into one flock. If you remember back in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And so if we have trusted in Jesus, then it doesn't matter where we're from or what we are like, our differences of opinion, our worship style, our ministry priorities, we are already one in Christ. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. 
So today, we need to see ourselves as part of this worldwide, this universal community of believers that spans right down through the ages. This includes people of all nations and backgrounds and in all church denominations. But it doesn't include everybody in each of these congregations. Jesus said that this is this unity is only for those who will believe in me. This unity is formed between everybody who has put their faith in Jesus. We are united with each other only if we're united with Jesus. So this is not a prayer for institutional ecumenism. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what can fellowship, what fellowship can light have with darkness? So there can be no unity between us and those who have not been born again through faith in Jesus. So this is not trying to say that we're all in, we're all in together, we're all connected, it doesn't matter what we believe, we're all in this together. No, it's not saying that. But it is saying that if we follow Jesus, if we have trusted in him and put our faith in him for our salvation, then we need to recognise that we have brothers and sisters right across this world. And we need to seek to express this unity with them, with the universal church. But we also need to express this unity with the local church. As we'll see in a little while, this unity needs to be visible to the people who are around us. And this will only happen if we are united together physically and locally. On the day of Pentecost, after Peter preached the gospel, many people trusted in Christ. Then Luke recorded that those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. When these these believers trusted in Jesus, they, they were instantly brought into being part of that universal worldwide church. But they didn't just scatter back to their homes and just live for Jesus in isolation from others. Instead, they were added into that number of believers, that believing community. They became part of that local church and they expressed their unity by being devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Jesus didn't save us so that we could just come into a relationship with himself and live as isolated individual believers. Instead, Jesus saved us so that we could be part of his new covenant community. A community where together we can learn, we can support each other, we can worship, we can pray and we can serve together. And so Jesus' prayer here is that his people would be committed to being together. 
committed to being part of and working and living and, and serving and worshipping as part of this believing community. So the writer of Hebrews says, let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more, as you see the day approaching. Now, of course, this morning we can't do that physically. We can't all meet down in church and gather together. But we can do this virtually, through our computer screens or our phone screens. And we need to try to do this as much as we can, to do this more and more. Jesus wants us to be united in him. So Jesus prayed for us to be united in him. But that didn't mean that he wanted us all to be the same. Uniformity is not his desire. He's given us all different characters and personalities and gifts and different ministries. So what this means rather is that in our diversity, we would be united, we would be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. We would have the same love. So we are called to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. What does that look like then? Well, with Christians in other churches, here or abroad, this means that we need to be careful in how we speak about them. They might do things differently from us. They might do things that we would not accept as being what the Bible teaches. But we mustn't attack or ridicule or condemn them. Instead, we need to value them Pray for them, maybe even give and support them if they're in need. Because they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. For our own church family, this unity will means that we'll look for opportunities to express genuine love to each other. This might be through warm welcomes, or supportive listening, or generous giving, or selfless encouragement or liberal hospitality, or humble service, or enthusiastic singing, or careful teaching, or consistent discipleship, or a whole number of other things that we might be able to do in order to express that real, genuine, sincere love for each other. Now, of course, that's not always easy. Being part of a church can sometimes be difficult. It can be challenging. There might be people who might upset us, or who might irritate us, or even might offend us. But that's why we need to be united together in a supernatural love. And in this prayer here, Jesus referred to this amazing kind of love. He prayed, verse 23, that you have loved them even as you have loved me. You have loved them even as you have loved me. Now that's a startling statement when you think of it. Jesus, he was so certain of the depth of his father's love for him. Throughout this gospel, we've seen how Jesus declared again and again that his father loved him. For example, 
John 3.35, the father loves his son and has placed everything in his hands. Or John 5 and 20, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Or John 10, 17, the reason my father loves me is I lay down my life only to take it up again. So Jesus was certain of, of how, just how much his father loved him. And when you think of it, that's not surprising. Because the father always loved the son. Jesus prayed to his father here in verse 24. You have loved me before the creation of the world. As far back as you can go, the father always completely and intimately loved his son. But here's the the amazing bit. The amazing news here is that this is the very same way in which the Father has loved us. He loves us as he has loved the Son. That means the Father has always loved us. This is what God says in Jeremiah 31 and 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And even although we've messed up, and run from him, and fallen short of his glory, the Father still loves us. That's why Jesus came, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loved us so much that he sent his Son to this earth to die on that cross, so that we might have eternal life. Remember what eternal life is? We read at the start of this prayer in John 17. That life is life in all its fullness, characterized by knowing God, being in a loving, personal relationship with God. And this is why Jesus was willing to go to the cross. He says in verse 26 of this prayer, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus, he came as the revelation of God's love to us. And he continued to reveal God's love by going right all the way to the cross to die in our place. And he did that in order that we could have God's love in us. That we could experience that depth of love that the Father has loved Jesus always with. And that we could be brought into the fullness of that personal, intimate, faithful, unending, loving relationship with God. This is what Jesus went to the cross to give to each one of us. And it's that experience of God's supernatural, unconditional, 
unlimited, unending love that unites us together as God's children in his loving community. Since God so loved us, we also ought to want love one another. It is his love for us that binds us together and motivates us and empowers us to love each other as we have been loved by God. So Jesus prayed that we would be united in him and in his love. But in doing this, Jesus had a very clear purpose in mind. One of the main roles of the church is to uh, share the good news of Jesus with this world. And for this to happen, the gospel must be declared, it must be proclaimed, it must be preached. So Jesus was praying here for those who will believe in me through their message, through the message of the apostles. For those who would hear either directly or indirectly through his word, the preaching of the apostles. But we're not just called to declare the message of the gospel. We're also called to demonstrate it. To live it out, be a physical and visible embodiment of the gospel. People are supposed to be able to look at us and see the reality of Jesus. And our unity is a crucial aspect, a crucial part of our effectiveness in doing this. So Jesus prayed for us to be united so that the world may believe that you sent me. Of course, not everyone is going to trust in Jesus. There will always be some who will reject him. Some who refuse to believe. However, if we come together as a group of diverse people, from different backgrounds and cultures and lifestyles and social status. And if we love each other deeply and sincerely, accepting our differences, by but standing together in our faith in Christ, then some people will see all of that and they will be convinced that Jesus really is the Son of God and that he really is the Saviour of the world. And they will put their faith in him. This is what Jesus said earlier in John chapter 13. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And we can see this becoming a reality in the early church. They were remarkably effective in impacting their generation for Christ. And one of the reasons for this was their radical unity. Acts 4.32 says that all the believers were one in heart and mind. But this also explains why God is so against anyone who would seek to divide his church. So Paul wrote, warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. 
A divisive person is working directly against what Jesus prayed for here. They are destroying God's people. They are trying to dismantle what he is building. They are trying to separate, to pull apart what he has joined together. And so by doing this, they are hindering the mission of the church. They are preventing people from seeing Jesus' grace and love in action. And by doing that, they are a barrier to someone coming to Christ for salvation. And so we need to do everything that we can to protect the unity of the church. This is what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He said, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. This needs to be our priority. We need to do everything that we can to keep that unity that God has formed between us. But of course, sometimes we do see division. And we do see separation. And it's upsetting and it's heartbreaking. But we don't need to despair. Jesus prayed here that his church would be united with him in glory. And so we know that this is going to happen. This is what will ultimately happen. Jesus said in verse 23, I have given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one. As we are one. Through his life, through his words, through his work, and especially through his death on the cross, Jesus revealed the glory of the Father to the apostles. Through Jesus, they had seen the awesomeness of God's holiness and purity, his power and his strength, his grace and his love. This is what John testified to at the start of his gospel. He says, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And if we've put our trust in Jesus, then we too have seen that glory. We've seen his glory. We've seen something of the wonder of God as revealed in Jesus. And responding in faith has brought us into that union with Christ and with each other. And so God is at work in our lives, changing us and making us more like, more like Jesus. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. We are being transformed into his likeness, to be made like Jesus with ever increasing glory. So we have seen his glory and his glory is being revealed in us. But there's so much more to come. So Jesus' final request here in this prayer is in verse 24. He says this, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my Glory. As Christians, we long to be with Jesus in heaven, don't we? But the amazing thing here is, 
that Jesus longs for us to be with him. Jesus is longing for the day when he will welcome you into his kingdom. Jesus went willingly to the cross because he was looking forward to that day when all of us who have trusted in him from all these different races and nations and peoples will be united together in one body and he will welcome us as his bride into his glory to share in that glory and to be with him forever. That was the joy set before him that Jesus set his face on. And knowing that this is our future can also encourage us in the challenges of fulfilling our calling. Whatever struggles we face in living out our unity in Christ, however difficult it is to be united in love, however challenging it is to be an effective witness in this world, we can keep on going. Because we know that one day, Jesus' prayer that he prayed for here in John chapter 17 will be fulfilled. And we will be united with him in glory. And so like Paul, we can say that I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. So folks, today, we're living in a world that has changed so much over the past few months. But Jesus' prayer that we've read here is still his heart for us. This is still his calling on our lives. We are called to be united in Christ, to be connected to each other. Because we're united in Christ. We're called to be devoted to one another. Because we're united in love. We're called to be partners in the gospel with each other. Because we're united for a purpose. And we're encouraged to keep on going with each other. Because we're united in glory. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you this morning. Thank you that you have revealed uh, the Father to us. You've revealed his love and his grace. And you brought us into that loving, personal, intimate relationship with the Father. And Father, we just thank you that you love us with a love that will never change, that will never weaken, that will never uh, go away, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you've loved us with an unfailing, an unconditional, unlimited, unending love. And because of that, Father, we rejoice that we've been brought into your, the family of your people, Lord. That today we are part of your church. We are your, we are the brothers and sisters together in Christ. Father, thank you for this, that you have united us together. You have not left us on our own. But Lord, that we are part of this, this community today. 
Lord, we just pray you'd help us. Help us to express this love to each other. The love that you have for us, help us to express this love to each other. I know that we can't do this in our own strength, Lord. We can't do this out of our own goodness or our own kindness or generosity or compassion. We need your love to fill us by your Spirit again. So, Lord, I pray that you'd pour your love into our hearts again so that we might love each other with sincerity and genuinely, with the same depth of love that you love us. And, Lord, help us to love in this way so that we can be an effective witness in this world. Lord, we believe that you have united us together for this purpose, that we might be a a shining light in this world of your love and grace, not pointing to our goodness, not saying that we are great, but Lord, that it shows the miracle of what you have done and that you are doing in us. So Lord, use us for that purpose, we pray. Use us to draw people to yourself, to faith in the Lord Jesus. And Lord, as we commit ourselves to doing that once again, Lord, we, we thank you that we can do this with, with joy and with expectation in our hearts. Because one day we will be united with Christ in glory. One day we will share in his glory. One day that transformation will be complete and we will be like Jesus and we will be with him forever. Well, we just thank you and we just praise you for this, Lord. But we pray for your grace and your strength and your power in our lives so that we can live this out more and more each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.